When you're lost in the darkness, look for the pod. Specifically, the Prestige TV podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network, where we're breaking down every new episode of HBO's The Last of Us. On Sunday nights, grab your battery and join Van Lathan and Charles Holmes for an instant reaction to the latest episode. Then head back to the QZ on Tuesdays for a deep dive with Joanna Robinson and Mallory Rubin. From character arcs to video game adaptation choices, story themes to needle drops, we'll parse every inch of this cordyceps-coated universe. Watch out for mouth tendrils and follow along on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Are you looking for a view of the world that's a bit different? Hi, I'm Jason Palmer, a host of The Weekend Intelligence, a podcast from The Economist. Join us to hear the stories that matter most to our correspondents and editors. Every Saturday, we introduce you to people and ideas that take you outside the ordinary and expand your horizons one episode at a time. Join us and see the world from a new perspective. To listen free until May 31st, search Spotify for The Weekend Intelligence. Welcome to Jam Session. I'm Juliette Littman. I'm Amanda Dobbins. I'm excited about today's episode, Amanda. A lot of stuff I want to talk to you about. I'm excited to see you, and I'm excited to hear what you're most excited about. You have things in our document, like, in an order. Is this the order you want to go in? Do you want to lead with enthusiasm? Do you want to lead with bold names? I'd like to lead with a bit of personal sadness. Okay. Chris Evans got married, and for some reason, I feel kind of sad about that. I liked Chris Evans being not married. Okay, let's unpack this. So do you feel (laughs) sad for him? Do you feel no, sad for me? You feel sad for yourself. Yeah, for for me and the world. I don't know. I just feel like he is a great bachelor. He's given us so much okay. not married Chris Evans content. So it's not about Chris Evans being off the market as much as like in relationship to to your shopping. Well, no, certainly, certainly okay. not for well, me. Well, <laughs> I just, you know, we're drilling down. We're exploring. We all lived through, we, we we already lived vicariously through Jenny Slate for that. But, right. I don't know. He's just a great, he's a great celebrity. Is he a great celebrity? I think he is. I think he's given it's, us expand. a lot. Expand. Well, there was the GQ article. Sure. Him and, that was a great one where he may or may not have had some kind of entanglement with the writer. Wonderful entanglement. Call that. Continue. He is like a really great red carpet guy, like always just being goofy when he does rest car- red carpets, <laughs> particularly with Jenny Slate. I like that he moved back to Boston and just like tries to spend as much time in his hometown as possible. Like I like his like I'm uber famous and I'm fake rejecting my uber fame, but really like makes a big show out of his secrecy, which continued with his wedding. I don't know. There's just a, I just think there's a lot to like with Chris Evans. He looks great in a white cable knit sweater. Which he is- does look great in a white cable knit sweater, and I enjoyed him. And I was out. I have, I have nothing against, and I think I even root for Chris Evans. He seems like a nice too. guy. He's usually charming he in does. movies. I actually watched at least 30 minutes of Ghosted, the film that he starred in with mm. Ana de Armas on Apple+. Plus. Cool. Oh, their second movie together. How exciting. It was not good. 
And I fast forwarded through most of it, but I felt that I had a duty to the public to at least have a sense of the contours of that project. And now I do. Anyway, I'm rooting for him. I don't know if I would have said that he's like my number one dynamic, like bachelor movie star. Obviously, he's not even the top Chris. And that like his antics have been memorable enough aside from Jenny Slate, which I think both parties have moved on. You know, that was just like a wonderful moment in the sun. Great time. That we all had. And 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 then it ended and life goes on. I think there was something about Chris Evans. And this is this remains true, but it was just, you know, a little bit different to me now that he's married as of two days ago. He's such a blank slate, which is like one of the reasons why I think he's a good actor. It's like you can project a lot onto him, but he actually has a lot of personality as well. But like just his physical appearance is very just like he's a pretty man. And also the fact that he, like, really adopted the blank hat. Like, he mm-hmm. lives this, like, I am here for your projections lifestyle, which is which is really something many celebrities should be doing. And he just embraces, and I appreciate it. And I feel like it's a little bit less projecting that can happen with the blank slate of Chris Evans now that he's married. I can't say that I think his the change with his marital status is going to change <laughs> my relationship to him as a celebrity, other than he has he has spoken about how he would like to have a family at some point. And I assume if, if you know, he's getting married, if he starts a family, like you can see the dad energy really taking on a level sure. on its own from him. And I'm not against that. Love dads, enjoy dad energy, but it's a, it's something different that he would be bringing to the table. I agree with you. So maybe this is just, a, for me, this is like an indicator of change to come. I don't know. I guess I'm, I'm happy for him. He got, they got married secretly in Boston at their home in Boston. Actually on a private estate in Cape Cod. Oh, really? Yes. Wow. And all the Avengers came, right? Or not all of them, but many of them. Robert Downey Jr., Iron Man, and Thor attended. Okay. As did fellow Bostonian uh, John Krasinski, Jeremy Renner. John what Krasinski is, was also seen at the U.S. Open this I weekend. Know. Quick trip. Very quick so, trip. But, and I want to say he was there for the women's final. No, no, no. You know what? They were there on Friday. They were there for the semifinals. And so apparently he went from the U.S. Open to Cape Cod. Emily Blunt went as well. Yeah. I, I get the impression that perhaps they shuttled their guests from Boston to Cape Cod because the Avengers were seen in Boston at their Boston hotel. So, oh, so they stayed in Boston. I think so. What kind of private shuttle are you taking from Boston to the Cape? A plane. Cape uh, Air. Okay. I, oh, so you think they chartered Cape Air planes. Mm-hmm. So I can do. you give people who aren't familiar with Cape Air just like a little mental image of what the Cape Air experience is like. The Cape Air experience is like a few steps above the plane in which John F. Kennedy Jr. died. Like it's a small plane. It's a it's a puddle jumper. It's kind of, you know what it's like? It's like the plane in the film The Proposal. Or they land yes, on the water. It is. Wow, so, that really that, that is the uh, <laughs> reference that landed with our producer Jade. I have taken <laughs> Cape Air once. And I was alarmed when I walked up to the check-in and was asked how much I weigh and then made to weigh every single possession anywhere around me. And that is because of the weight distribution that is a requirement of getting these tiny planes 
in the air. It's like nine people, <laughs> unless you're someone Chris Hemsworth sized, in which case, I mean, how many Five Avengers people? can fit on a Cape airplane is a great SAT problem. If Chris Hemsworth is involved and he's bulking up for Thor, that's like two people. Right. So right. it's not a lot. That's the impression I get. So. Okay. That's surprising to me because you would think that Cape Cod would offer more privacy from a like an accommodations point of view for for the Avengers, and they could just fly direct. Is there not? Are there are there not a lot of private abil- uh, capabilities in Cape Cod? Aren't there many like luxury hotels? Like there's like the Chatham Bars Inn, okay, and there's like the Wequesset Resort as okay. well. But there just aren't that many. There's not a lot of like uber fancy places for people to stay. Okay. And also, it's not that private at those places either. Okay. So, Boston to ensure a level of privacy and then Cape Air on the way in. That's my impression. Okay. Based on limited information I have. But we we should just say he married a woman named Alba Baptista. Oh, yes. Sure. Alba Baptista Evans. This is sort of the natural conclusion. She's very pretty. She's a model. She's Luso-Brazilian. She's also an actress. She was in Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris, I believe. You're right. Yeah. My bad. Also an actress. Sure. Apparently, he seems really happy. He seems like, (laughs) I just just root for Chris Evans, so great. Okay. (laughs) So we're ending this on a positive note. We are. Okay. Let's move on. Biggest story of the week, in my opinion. Perhaps I'll disagree. Joe Jonas and Sophie Turner getting divorced. I have certainly read a lot about it. I think... Joe Jonas's PR strategy. At first, I was like, huh, interesting. And I very quickly went to fuck this guy. Well, so why don't you do a little exposition on the press strategy? Sure. Sure. It came out that he was considering, that he was considering filing for divorce, but it wasn't official. And then when those first rumors came out, he he's currently on tour. He with his brothers, the Jonas brothers. He wore his wedding ring like the next night to kind of like hold that rumor back, even though he'd been seen a lot without it. And then like two days later, he filed for divorce officially in Los Angeles. And two things that happened. One, the initial reports were that Sophie Turner's partying was part of the reason why he, that Joe had mostly been taking care of their daughters and they were living with him based in Miami. And the other thing that happened is he took his two daughters out for breakfast in studio city where they were photographed with another woman who was unidentified, but I feel 95% certain she was a nanny. From there, it then came out that Joe didn't want to get divorced. They were having a lot of rough, rough patches, but he saw something on ring footage that sealed the deal. And so he had to file for a divorce. Then Sophie Turner's people started to fight back. From there, we learned that Joe Jonas wanted Sophie Turner to be going out more, but after the birth of their second child, she really didn't feel like it. And we started hearing a little bit more about how he was an unsupportive husband when I think the implication is, this has definitely not been said, but this is my takeaway from what I've read, is that she had maybe some bout of postpartum depression yeah, and wasn't it, wasn't feeling like going out. It has not been it's confirmed, implied. but all, all of the implications were that it's like some, some sort of baby blues or, I yeah. mean, you know, she gave birth to a child and then was recuperating from that emotionally and yes. physically. Yes, but like the first like four days, four four days of this week long cycle implied that she was like that he was like this doting father at home with the kids while she was like out partying. And the outlet that they were using TMZ is that correct? The Jonas 
yeah, brothers. Yes. Or the, I'm sorry, the Joe Jonas PR. The the Blaze machine. broke it first right. for whatever reason. And then, then they started going to TMZ. Documents, the, right? Yeah, documents. Yeah. yeah. But the initial implication that they tried, the initial story that was given was that Joe Jonas was taking care of the two daughters. They were living in Miami and that there were stories about and pictures that were like recirculated of Sophie Turner like chugging shots and like making it seem like she was like a wild party girl. And I think this is wildly offensive. And it was very gross. Horrible. And just, and also so obvious and brazen. I do feel like congratulations to us as a, as a society. I feel like a lot of people called it out pretty quickly. It was just like, fuck that. Especially because they're on, Jonas Brothers are on tour right now. Like, it's not like anyone's at home with the kids. Like, the kids are probably on the road right. or not. Who, who fucking knows? But it's just such a ridiculous, gross implication. And it was fucked up. It was surprising how organized the one-sided nature of it was for like three or four days. And it seemed a little bit like the Sophie Turner camp was... Unprepared? Unprepared, at least for the media blitz, which makes it even even uglier. Like that implies a level of coordination, which I mean, it definitely was. Like the stories were numerous. And I did wonder whether some of that was just sort of not just sort of, but was related to the age or range or the demo of the typical Jonas brother mm-hmm. fan who's like a little bit younger than us, I would assume. And not that much younger. Not that much younger, but very much on the internet and very probably female dominant and yeah. just and so I don't know what I don't know who is like trying to play to that and inflame that audience at that point. But I wondered I wondered whether that had anything to do with kind of the gross lopsidedness of it for a bit. It was just that kind of like fan flaming aspect. Right. Well, I think also the fact that the Jonas Brothers are on tour right now. So right. he's like out there probably like necessitated some kind of strategizing. But this is a family that is like very calculated with their with their media. Like very that's very true. I just tend to tune a lot of it out. Um, yeah. But but, but you're like, right. It's been like a decade at least, two decades. Yeah. And I would say the last like five years or so, when the kind of the Jonas brothers like as reunited as like this trio of brothers, they've been particularly calculated. Like <laughs> I'm delighted to tell you that I watched the Jonas Brothers Happiness Begin special on Amazon Prime. I think I don't even I don't even know when that was, but it was like when it came out. So I feel like very familiar with them, even though I'm clearly not. But like Joe Jonas definitely um I would just say he seems needy. So I just feel like there's a lot that goes into like managing him and coddling him. So I'm sure mm-hmm. there was like people deciding this with him. And I also just want to say like I was like kind of glad that their nanny was photographed, though she wasn't identified. I'm nearly positive. And this like th- this initial tactic of like Joe Jonas is like such a great dad. He's home with his kids when you're like this man is on tour. Right. So absurd and like just ridiculous. And also like, by the way, fine, take your kids on tour. Nothing wrong with that either. But like just trying to like peddle this like bad mom narrative is so offensive. I, I agree with you entirely. It's really gross. Yeah. Any further comment? No, I just, it, it's interesting when, because you pointed out the Jonas Brothers have been in the media and very savvy about it for 10, 15, 20 years, just like always yeah. kind of there. 
And it was something like I was aware of. You know, I was just in my head trying to remember, okay, so Nick Jonas is married to someone famous who has it. It's Priyanka Chopra Jonas, you know, but like it mm-hmm. took me a minute. So it's like I'm, I'm aware, but I have sort of like my own personal spam blocker in my head, you know, where it's like I don't need to know too much about the Jonases. And it is interesting that this like transcended my personal ad blocker. And I was like, oh, this is a thing. This is everywhere. And it was, it reminded me almost a little bit of like the Us Weekly in the early mid 2000s when during the whole Brangelina moment. And it was like, poor Jennifer like wants to have kids. And like, and, and the tabloid media and particularly Us Weekly glommed onto some really, really gross, sexist, like really like primal, disgusting tropes about, like, women just want to be moms and will she be too old and, you know, all this sorts of stuff and, like, made a lot of money off of it. And it's, like, you watch the, once again, people understanding that seizing on something really gross that a lot of people have an opinion about, you know? And you just, and, like, it's, like, watching the tabloid sausage get made in real time in in a way that apparently still works, but is pretty gross. It's pretty wild. It's also hard to believe two things. One, that the Jonas Brothers are popular enough to play Dodger Stadium. I mean, what a world. Isn't that crazy? It is. But again, this is one of those things where I do feel like it's just five years behind us. Yeah. They tour a lot, though. Like, I'm just... They tour a lot. And then they've been married for four years and I really remember covering their wedding on this podcast. So I just... That's so funny. I have no memory of their wedding. What was their wedding like? It was in Europe. Okay. Arya Stark also attended. Right. There, yeah. Was I was Game just thinking, of Thrones like, still being released four years ago? It was just ending. I think the show had just ended. Okay. So, because it was in the summer of 2019 and the show ended in the spring of 2019. So, you know, it was sort of like the end of her run as Sansa, Queen of the North. And yeah, it just like, I remember when we talked about it, they tried to like have a lot of secrecy and whatever, whatever. And yeah, it's just a long, it's been a long road with them. The other thing about them is it always has seemed like Sophie Turner is like the cooler and more fun one. Yeah. And I feel like they tried to like exploit that with this initial, like she's a party girl. Yeah, I agree with you. I, it's just, it's really funny that I can't even remember us talking about their wedding like four <laughs> years ago. I really, your spam blocker, my strong. spam blocker like really kicked in. And I, I think I feel that way about anything him related and Jonas related, you know? So, and it, and it, this became unavoidable because of how gross it all was. But I'm I'm with you. I'm with Sophie. Sophie, be well. Agree. Different than wish you well. Be well. All right, next. You mentioned it. The U.S. Open is the biggest celebrity convention of 2023 so far. Well, so here's the thing, is that you can really tell that the celebrities are missing their red carpets and their promo opportunities, you know? And so they are showing up places where they are still allowed to show up. And listen, I I understand that. It is exposure is a major part of their job and their value and they are on strike for a reason. But like it, like the strike definitely affects their careers. So they got to get out there somewhere. They chose to get out at the U.S. Open, which is great for them because the Women's U.S. Open this year was spectacular. Coco Goff, 19 years old, won her first Grand Slam. It was, and gave just one of the all-time 
champion speeches, including I'd like to thank everyone who didn't believe in me, uh, is a like <laughs> real thing she said just right after being handed a $3 million check. Coco rules. It was very exciting. It seems like maybe more celebrities were in attendance for for Coco Goff for the women's final on Saturday than for the very boring men's final on Sunday, which is also awesome. Totally. But yet, everyone was We love an American champion. We do. Everyone was there. And everyone was, like, very aware that the cameras were also there. Most unfortunately, it included the hard launch of Timothy Chalamet and Kylie Jenner. Well, so, I, th- I guess the official hard launch has to be the Beyonce show, right? Where they were making out. Well, I guess, but, they were sure. But at the U.S. Open, you're strategically placed in a seat for the cameras. Yes. So, they had to have been even more aware of that. And they're sitting like in the very back and what I call the Leo seats because Leo often goes to the US Open and he's usually... He was there. Don't worry. Oh, he was. I guess I didn't see him. Was he wearing his mask? No, he was not. Wow. What a... I know. I mean, what a time. You know what? It was really fucking hot. So maybe he was just like, I can't do this. Yeah, that's true. Anyway, but you can... there, There are many like very fancy boxes at the US Open and you can sit up front, you know? In the in the balcony box, or you can sit in the back. And and Timothy and Kylie were in the back, but they were definitely together, and they were definitely making out big time. And so I just in the span of two weeks, they've just decided to be a couple making out in public. It's pretty fascinating. Do you think that the pushing of Dune has anything to do with this? That he feels he needs to be seen and be seen, or? that he feels like he can get it out with now because he won't be doing Dune Press in two months. Well, he still might be doing Wonka Press, mm. which is pretty tough for him. <laughs> but I have to assume... <laughs> you know what? I actually... I watched the Wonka trailer. I was like, oh, they they made a children's movie. You know, that's fine. Children need it's movies a bo- too. It's a, chi- it's a children's book, so it's right. appropriate. And the original Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory is a, a film classic and also like pretty fucking weird and scary. So if you want, you know, Timothy Chalamet and Hugh Grant dancing like an Oompa Loompa and you're five, whatever. They haven't delayed Wonka yet. So, and I would assume that he's contractually obligated to promote it in some capacity. So I don't know whether Dune to... I think Timothy Chalamet is probably one of the few young celebrities who, like, doesn't desperately need that exposure. I think he's, like, already made it to a level of celebrity and, like, has an established enough career that he can pulled out for a couple months. I thought that you were saying is like, do you think that he's doing this to fulfill his contractual obligations with the <laughs> the Jenner family because now they won't have the Dune 2 red carpet to walk together? Which I also don't think is the case. I think they're just no, too, I young, don't. too young kids. I don't think that he would do that. I, or I'd like to believe that he wouldn't do that. I, there's, I again, I don't really think there's any reason for him to. Right. Also, this just kind of seems like a headache unless you're just like, not really in it. Yeah. I don't I don't know. They're young. They're they're seeing the sights. He loves a generationally famous uh young gal. He does. Lily Rose Depp. Yeah. I forgot about that. Listen, I would have liked to go to the Beyonce show once again. Didn't get a ticket. <laughs> Jade, did you go? Was it okay, yeah. Jade Jade is just like nodding her head, like, yes, I was there. And yeah, 10 out of 10. I would have liked to attend that. I would have loved to attend the U.S. Open. Did anyone's anyone else's like appearance particularly catch your eye? I just noted that 
a lot of Oscar women Oscar winners were at the women's final, including Nicole Kidman and Diane Keaton and a lot of other people who I wouldn't classify as like U.S. Open regulars. You know, like there are the people who show up every year because they really like being there. Like Alec Baldwin was there in a suit. Say what you will about Alec Baldwin and I have plenty to say, but he he does go every year. And then I don't know that I had seen Nicole Kidman at the U.S. Open for. I'm sure someone will find a screenshot, you know? A lot of, Laura Dern was there too. Oh, that's right. Naomi, they do have a Naomi grand Watts. slam in her native Australia. So, you know. Many friends of Nicole Kidman. Uh, yeah. Other Oscar winners. Uh, Charlize Theron was there. Oh, yeah, looked, that's right. She looked great. She was wearing I, a cool outfit. Yeah. Yeah, it was Dior. I was looking at, at that skirt later. And then I was like, oh, wait, I'm not Charlize Theron. So maybe I should find a different approach. She's like so beautiful. She wears this Dior t-shirt that's just like, looks like, you know, it's from 1997. Like, yeah. not that it's really old, but like 1997 style. A pleated skirt and like Dior Tevas. And she just looks incredible. Like, yeah. it's such a cat. It's a, it's a great tennis look. It's really good. Ariana DeBose was there. She's also an Oscar winner. Just like a lot of actresses. Like a lot. But I hope they all had a great time. It's and been really everyone is taking the opportunity for their like sponsored step and repeat, you know, because that's how they mm-hmm. get their tickets. I don't know. They all look really nice. Ellen Pompeo was there. Your girl. Uh, yeah, she's noted sports fan. Right. I was looking at pictures on Glamour.com. They had a nice, or sorry, MarieClaire.com. They had a nice uh, photo spread. And their picture they have of Leo, he's right behind Sarah Gilbert from Roseanne, but they do not identify her. It's really funny. (laughs) (laughs) I was just clicking through the page six slideshow and I had the distinct pleasure once again, because I do have an ad blocker of then clicking on the continue without supporting us on page six.com, which I do every single time. Thank you so much for giving me that opportunity, page six. There's also another really good picture of Emily Ratajkowski and Z-Way in a box. And right behind them, like blocked by Z-Way's shoulder, is Leah Michelle. It's okay. very funny. That's it's right. very, very glee. It's just great photographer, great photos. It was wonderful. I'm a big fan of the U.S. Open. I, I miss tennis. When the U.S. Open is over is when summer ends mm. for me personally in my head. And so I'm feeling a little melancholy. Our producer, Jade, is ready for fall. I don't know if I'm totally ready for fall. My son also really liked watching tennis, which was just usually, he just yelled ball a lot. That's uh, fun. Yeah, which was really cute. So I'm going to miss it, but it it was a great year. And I'm really excited for Coco Golf and all of the celebrities who got their fits off. Uh, definitely. Well, yeah. One, one other thing I want to note, because, again, of the strikes, there's just not a lot of celebrity uh, content out there these days. New York media went really hard on the fashion influencer Morgan Riddle, who is also a wag. She's married to Taylor Fritz, who is also, like, not really very famous. He's an American tennis player. But there was, like, two features about her and how she uses uses his tennis appearances for her own appearances. Yeah. I enjoyed the stories. But I was like, again, this feels very retro. Like, this is very, like... 2015 influencer story, but also like I'm all for wag content. So I enjoyed it, but I also noted this was pretty weird. So Taylor Fritz is another one of the American tennis men who they're just always trying to make it happen, you know, and it's like never going to quite happen, but it, he makes it far enough in slams and at tournaments for the cameras to catch this woman looking memorable in the stands and then as one does you go on her Instagram and then you're just like oh yeah okay so I get it I understand why it's it was good assigning and also if he had 
you know, gone farther in the tournament. It's just, it's like a good link to have for, it's good SEO, you know, for when people sure. are Googling who is, this is a woman who is aware of the role that she has been given in the tennis WAG community and has embraced it. So I'll give her that. I love it. I mean, is this our Colleen Rooney? I don't yeah. think so, but if no. it is, great. Yeah. Congratulations to to them, I guess. It's pretty it's pretty funny. Yeah. I mean, being a tennis wag seems awesome. I don't know if it's that like you're on the road a lot every week and it's not like every place is a glamorous destination, you know? That's true. I feel like there's a lot of like desert time though, so if you're into that, that's cool. That's true. It's, and you are and always Florida. like you're chasing warm weather pretty much yeah. year round. But it's not like you're only staying at it's just like lovely resorts, you know? A lot of true desert. I don't know. While we're talking about the US Open, I'd like to share my celebrity encounter and then I'd like oh, to yeah. hear about your celebrity encounters in Venice, Italy. Oh yeah. My celebrity encounter is that the day after he had to pull out, I walked past Matteo Berrettini on the streets of New York City, and he is probably top five most handsome person I've ever been within 10 feet of. It's honestly a joke that he's a real person. I, I mean, in, so in the best way, he's good looking. so it's unbelievable. handsome. He's just this incredibly handsome, charming Italian tennis player. Taller than I expected. Just uh, yeah. really good looking. Yeah. He looked really great. His black car was waiting for him. There was like three people who noticed him and I hold people, saw people holding their phones. So that's mm-hmm. why I paid I paid attention. But like, he's not that famous on Park Avenue South. So he probably was comfortable there. I hope he has great. a quick recovery because I enjoy his presence in the in the tennis world. He's the type of person who's too hot to date. Like, I can't believe that woman. What's her name? The other player? Uh, Anya Tamlanovic. Yeah, I can't believe she dated him. He's too hot. Right, like, I know, but just... now they're not together anymore. And I, you know, page six loved that. Yeah, they loved how much they, how awkward it was. Yeah. But anyway, Amanda, tell us about your trip to Venice, Italy, for the international Venice International Film Festival. It was delightful. Have you ever been to Venice? No, I haven't. I had never been to Venice either. So that was just a treat. Just let me tell you, that is kind of like Italian Disneyland. And it is incredibly beautiful. And it really is all on the water, like they say. And you just take boats everywhere. I went to see movies. And I did. I saw 10 movies. The Venice Film Festival, like everything else, was affected by the strikes. So most of the movie stars were not in attendance. However directors, because of the DGA's agreement, were able to be in attendance. So there were some famous directors, including Sofia Coppola. And then Sofia Coppola's movie, Priscilla, has an interim agreement through A24. And so her stars, Kaylee Spaney, and notably Jacob Elordi, were Mm. in attendance at the Venice Film Festival. And so I got to go to the red carpet premiere of Priscilla with all of the stars, and it was hilarious and delightful. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so it's, you know, the screams of all the girls when Jacob Elordi got out of the car. Were, like, that's really happening. That's a real thing. And it was very charming. May I ask what he's most famous for? It's one of the, probably the Netflix movies, right? 
Okay. Don't you think? Just, well, I think euphoria. I don't know. Obviously, was, yeah, euphoria. But I was just wondering, like, is there another thing that like makes makes the girls go crazy? And I do think it's the kissing booth and the kissing booth two oh, right. and three, the which booth. I think I forgot I probably about that. have a larger audience than euphoria. Obviously, euphoria, especially in Italy, it, right? Obviously, euphoria is like the prestige thing that he's known for. So anyway, he. It was very tall. And I was like, I did not walk the red carpet, but it's, I mean, it's great. The festival is on one of the islands, the Lido, which is the beach island, Juliet. Right. And it, there's the, they call it the Palazzo del Cinema, the Cinema Palace, where they have it every year. And there's just like a red carpet outside. And then you can just walk right into the movie theater. So I just kind of stood literally next door is a place called the Golden Lion Bar or the Lion Bar because the Golden Lion is the prize they give out um, to the top film where I would get my Campari spritz and sit and just watch the red carpet. So I watched Jacob Elordi and, you know, sometimes because of my vantage point, like people weren't tall enough that you couldn't see over like the crowds or whatever. But Jacob Elordi, I could see him from 50 feet away, no problem, just very tall. Heard the screams. And then I went in and experienced the whole Venice, like, standing ovation, you know, balcony drama premiere. And this is what I'm really excited to talk to you about. Because you may remember the Venice balcony from the Don't Worry Darling affair of one year ago. It's funny. I was thinking about what I feel are, like, my most, like, my my best Venice memories as, you know, an American reading the, the tabloids. Sure. I feel like it is all of the A Star is Born press, but yes. obviously l- last year was huge for for Venice in our collective history. I would agree with A Star is Born. I also, that is where J-Lo and Ben kind of made their red carpet re-debut, right. which was also really lovely. But I bring up Don't Worry Darling because that is one where we've like watched the videos many times for Spitgate. So, I, like, you maybe have some idea of the balcony, of what it looks like, of what the vibe is in your head because you have watched all of these Spitgate videos. And so I was there, and sometimes I was actually sitting on the balcony. And I just have to tell you, it's a really small balcony. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I really, in my head, it was like, you know, a scene from a, a opera house in a movie, you know, with, like, everything is tiered and these people have this, like, grand like box and everyone, you know, thousands of people just applauding and bowing down. And it's basically like a large high school auditorium. It's a really nice auditorium and a really nice place to watch a movie. But the balcony is seven rows. My God. Like anybody (laughs) can walk in and out. There's absolutely, there's very little security. And I know this because I really had to go to the bathroom and I was wearing a dress. So I just walked right up to the top floor, which is like the private lounge for the, of the Palazzo de Cinema. And I was like, sorry, I got to go to the bathroom. They just let anybody in. They let anybody onto the balcony, whatever. And just like anyone could sit on the balcony and get a 10-minute standing ovation at Venice. This was like, this was my main thing is that it is really, it is very uh, small and and normal. And like you're at a high school assembly, basically. One year later, where did we land on Spitgate? No pun intended. Spit or no spit? I think no spit. Honestly, having been to the scene of the alleged crime really (laughs) changed my perspective on what was going on. Because it's like, I just can't tell you how regular this room is. It's It's like carpeted, you know? 
And it's just every, and they just are sitting down in kind of small theater seats. And it's, there's just, all of the fanfare is so made up that I can't see feeling the need to, and there aren't that many cameras. That's the other thing. I guess there are a lot of phone cameras, but I can't see this being like a big enough opportunity for Chris Pine to like premeditatedly be like, what I'm going to do is take a stand and like fake spit on this person as I'm sitting down. It's just like not that big a deal. It's so, it's like an awkward wedding toast. Okay. All right. You know, fair enough. I thought Harry Styles spit on Chris Pine. Oh, you're right. Okay. Cause then Chris Pine like looks yes, and yeah, he's yeah, like, yeah. What and he just, he like, he reacted and was like, what's yeah. going on? But then Chris Pine was like the person who was, actually speaks to the press and then was, like, held to account for it. You're right. In any case, even with Harry, it's just, like, they're just, like, sitting down at their seat while some people, like, held up phones at this sort of awkwardly <laughs> close distance. It's really weird. It's great stuff. It's, it's our really generation Zap Reader film. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I don't think there was a spit. I think that everyone felt uncomfortable. And I get it. Probably because they are in such close confines. Right. I also do think that I went to the water dock slash carpet area where Miss Flo made the famous I've arrived and I have my Aperol spritz video. So that was another exciting sightseeing tour for me. What a time. What a great gift that was. Happier, Happier times. Yeah. Anyway, Venice Film Festival, two thumbs up. I enjoyed the film Priscilla. I enjoyed the film Poor Things. I enjoyed the film The Killer. I enjoyed the, the film the Maestro. Killer. The Killer is the new David Fincher movie. Oh, okay. And Poor Things is Emma Stone, right? Yes. Yeah. And it's sort of like the Oscar favorite right now. Right. Cool. Okay. Well, I'm And I enjoyed The City of Venice. Thank you. Sounds like a great time. Yeah. Did you get seasick at any point? No, you're not really out on open water, you know? No? It's Those most... of us with extreme motion sickness. I don't have... I actually do have fairly extreme motion sickness, but... It's it, it's a lake, you know? It's okay. a lagoon is technically is what they call it. But you're never really rocking and rolling, you know? This reminds me. I forgot to mention it. I forgot yeah. to put it on the rundown. George Clooney is selling his uh I like, saw that. House. I saw. Yeah, because Amal prefers their... Uh, Provence. Provence, their, their estate in Provence. Well, good for her. They were also in attendance in Venice at a, a awards, the DVF awards for a mo- mm. It was really amazing. No celebrities were allowed. Is that the Amphar to- thing? No, it's just, sorry. Amph- Amphar is a can thing. I, I yeah. take it back. No, very few celebrities were walking the red carpet at the film festival, but like literally everyone was in town for the Armani show and party. And so Armani's yacht, oh my God, I can't believe I forgot this yacht update. So Armani's <laughs> giant black yacht was prominently parked, basically like in downtown Venice. It's like, so instead of buses, there are water buses. Honestly, incredible. A great feature. Extraordinarily expensive. It's nine fifty for an hour's long access. I just wow. Yeah, no, I know it's, but but the festival had free shuttles, which I appreciated. Anyway. So there's, like, the main water bus terminal, you know, like the Times Square of Venice. It's, like, where all the water lines connect, San Marco, right near St. Mark Square. You've probably seen it in a movie. And then— I saw it in the film The Italian Job, in fact. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you also saw it in The Talented <laughs> Mr. Ripley. Anyway, you go, like, one stop down, 
And Armani's yacht was just like parked there the whole week. And it is so large and like, and, and noticeably like black, just like the entire thing. So that was pretty funny. And they had a party, I think on the yacht, maybe also at Cipriani's. I tried to have a drink at Hotel Cipriani because it's George Clooney's favorite hotel. But I was turned away because Armani had uh, taken over the entire Cipriani Hotel, as you do. So lots of people were there. They just didn't walk the red carpet for the film festival. Once again, they're all, they're trying. I mean, good job. Here we are talking about them. Exactly. So it's kind of working. Yeah. It's not not working. Yeah. All right. Last topic on our rundown today. We both read Emma Klein's The Guest. I read it after you recommended it to me on this podcast. I just thought maybe maybe we just check in on it real real briefly. I just, my number one note about The Guest by Emma Klein is that it has an ambiguous ending. And when I went to Google this book upon finishing it, I was really surprised by how many people on the internet wanted to discuss what happened at the end because it's kind of irrelevant. It doesn't really, nothing good happens. You can just assume that. Sorry, spoiler, I suppose. I think if you... If you can't tell from the first five pages of this book that it's not like not going to end well, like a happy ever after story, then I don't. It's maybe not the book for you. I was just like really surprised by how much pe- how li- how literally people were reading this book. I thought that was strange. But- I completely no, I completely agree. And also, you said that it's an ambiguous ending. That is true, though. I feel that I I have a very strong grasp on what happens and what I meant to take away from it. And then a lot of people on the internet were having opinions that were wildly opposite to that. And I thought that was pretty weird. I also, like, there's some very clear influences on the book. Yeah. It's set in the, Ham- there's set in the, Ham- in the Hamptons. Emma Klein's acknowledged that John Cheever's The Swimmer is a big influence on it. I mentioned the Hamptons because I thought there's some, like, there's some real Gatsby-isms yeah, is- ab- in absolutely. it. Absolutely, of course. But then from there, I feel like those two are obvious and, like, kind of the most important. Some of the other things that people are referencing on the internet is, like, was this, like... Check off something, something. I was like, no, it wasn't. <laughs> and also, like, don't like, I don't know. Just people. I thought it was interesting because this we first brought this up on jam session because I was saying I had seen a lot of people reading it on the beach, and you were like, oh, you should read it. I read it, and then my friend Sarah recommended it as well. So I was like, yeah, sure, I'll get it. And I guess I'm. I was just surprised by like how much people needed like confirmation of their ideas that they uh, that read it into the book, which feels like a success by the book. Cause it's so much of a commentary on like how people perceive each other and like the, like, co- like wanting to have each other's validation and, and affirmation in certain like closed societies. But I just thought the re- the response to the book in some ways is like almost more interesting to the, than the book itself, because the book is like very perceptive. Like, and like, there's kind of like no debate about that. Yeah. I don't know whether you've had this experience, but even when we were talking earlier about the Chris Evans' wedding and the Avengers and how there aren't that many fancy hotels in Cape Cod, and I had the thought about one of... It's just a throwaway line in the in the guest, but about how in the Hamptons there aren't that many hotels because it's not a community that's built for guests or tourism. It's best for built for people who can afford to own homes there. And it's a very, like, close society, which mm-hmm. is, like, a, you know, maybe not an obvious thing, but, like, a true and common thing, but not always said. And that's, like, stuck in my head. And the book has a million moments like that. As you said, it's very, very well observed, even though, even as, or maybe because observation is a major part of the project. It is really funny then 
to watch everyone try to like to Decipher to pin it, it down. Yeah. yeah. And and maybe we all maybe it actually is unpin and downable and and you and I think that we like have a lock on it and there's something else that's totally going you know maybe maybe the moral of the story is like everybody's wrong. But that's that's really interesting. It's definitely worthwhile. I feel like it's also a, um interestingly kind of a commentary on true crime. Maybe also the response to it is, but like true crime is a genre of like people trying to like figure stuff yeah. out. Yes. And like name yeah. a culprit or whatever. And just there's so much ambiguity that I think leads to this conversation. But it's, it's like, we we said this about Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow, which is like, it's clearly a successful book. Like there's no doubt about it. Like it's mm-hmm. an achievement. I think the extent to which you enjoy, enjoy it can can vary, but it's like, but I'm glad I'm glad you had me read it. I enjoyed it. I'm I guess. so glad. I don't know that my recommendations always wind up that way, especially for like really oh. like zeitgeisty books. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say I was like, I'm glad I read it to be able to have this conversation with you and to also like understand like where literary fiction is at the moment. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say it was like my favorite book. It doesn't like hit all hit all the buttons for my like this is a cozy read, but I'm glad I read it. I don't, I guess it's representative of literary fiction right now in the sense that it is like undoubtedly one of the breakout books of the year. And she's a breakout writer of like and the last she is, five yeah, years since or the girls. Whatever. But I also, another thing, I really liked the ambiguity and the, the wry avoidance of any sort of putting your hand on the scale one way or the other. I think it's really artfully done. And that, definitely contradicts a lot of what I find in literary fiction and really just like in culture right now in terms of people wanting like, here is the moral of this piece of art and here is what you are supposed to, you know, think is right and wrong and here's what we're endorsing. And I find myself fatigued by that from time to time. But it is also funny that, again, is like part of what, you know, we try to pin everything down on the internet. But like the discourse of being like, okay, but what does it mean? And like, what are we supposed yeah. to take away from it? The, the book doesn't totally fit with like what is in vogue in, in cultural right in, in culture right now. I wish that the ethos of the guest had been the ethos of the television show Inventing Anna and just a little bit more right. of that, like of the outsider telling the story instead of like the journalist or like the internet sleuth or t- telling the story. Right. But so, yeah, but the what, internet sleuths just want more stuff about them. So the internet sleuth leads to things like I have questions for you, which I let's I'm let, still let, mad about. Yeah. <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> All right. We'll do more fall books in a couple weeks. Thank you to our producer Jade Whaley for producing this episode, and we'll be back next week. Bye. 